Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Road to Rank podcast. My name is Dr. Steven Kruger and I'm here to give you advice for a successful residency match. I'm so excited to give you another specialty spotlight, this time on orthopedic surgery. The person I'm interviewing today is one of the best residency applicants I know. His name is Dr. Jake Modest, and he went to med school with me. To brag a little bit on Jake's behalf, he applied to around 80 orthopedic surgery programs out of the 150 that are out there. Of those 80 applications he sent, Jake got an incredible 34 interview invites. Of those, he was able to attend 20 interviews, and he ranked all 20 of those programs on his final rank list. You can probably guess by this massive number of invitations that he was able to rank his number one program, which is Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. Now, before we launch into our interview together, I want to point one thing out. And that is, you'll start to hear similarities between things that Dr. Modest said and Dr. Singh said during our last episode. Anytime you're hearing a similarity between competitive specialties, this would be a time to really focus in because this will be a crucial thing to remember when you're filling out your application, going on away rotations, asking for letters of recommendation, finding research projects, etc. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Dr. Modest. I'm joined today by Dr. Jake Modest, who's an orthopedic surgery resident. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jake. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. Awesome. So obviously, uh, Jake, we went to school together, um, became friends in med school. And you know, when I was thinking about someone to record this episode with, you were the first person that came to mind. So let's dive right in. All right. So, Jake, let's just start with you telling us about your background. All right. Uh, So, I grew up in Boston, um, went to high school uh, in that area. I ended up going to Georgetown for undergrad and studied uh, biochemistry and economics double major. I did a fair amount of bench chemistry research there. Um, Also got involved in um, the club soccer team as well as the uh, EMT organization down there. And then I ended up going to uh, University of Massachusetts Medical School after uh, Georgetown. So what made you choose a career in medicine? Um, I think medicine was always in the back of my mind because both my parents are physicians. They're both in uh, primary care, so it never was really far from my mind. Um, Although the reasons I did medicine changed, obviously as a young kid, it was just because my parents were doing it. Um, When I got to, you know, in high school, I you know, had a affinity for math and science, so I was drawn to the uh, the subject matter. And then when I was in college, um, I worked as an EMT and got to help and take care of patients. Um, but the scope is pretty limited. I was an EMT basic, and at least in uh, Washington, D.C., where I worked, we only, you know, we gave six medications. Um, and we're obviously more of a transportation service, uh, stabilization and transport. Um, so I wanted a little more scope. Um, I also was, as I said, interested in the uh, subject matter, so it, it, it all kind of made sense at that point to apply. Awesome. 
Let's start by talking about the preclinical years and basically just tell me how you approached the preclinical years. Yeah, so at UMass, uh, the first two years or year and a half are all preclinical. There's some longitudinal clinical patient interactions, but mostly it's all in the classroom. I think I approached first year as as most everyone else did, um, which was going to class, um, kind of studying the subject material. I didn't use as many adjunct textbooks. It was mostly lecture slides. As I got into second year, I think we were all kind of thinking more about boards at that point, and I'd had pretty close relationships with um, peers in multiple classes above me. And kind of in combination with their um, techniques, I uh, decided to mostly focus on textbooks at this point. Uh, So starting second year, I kind of, I didn't really go to class as much and would just basically study in the library, you know, intermittent with uh, going to the gym and doing social things, but uh, mostly just studied off textbooks, not as much using uh, class material. Okay. And then so while we're on the academic piece of the preclinical years, how did you then approach step one later in the second year? Yeah. So my whole goal was uh, to basically have read through first aid at least once or twice before I even started uh, our dedicated six-week study time or whatever. And I was fortunate a lot of my friends were doing something similar, so we kind of were able to approach it, uh, you know, sit together and do things together uh, as we studied. I think if I was doing it alone, it would be a lot more uh, um, lonely. But uh, my approach, again, was basically to get through, have a first glance at everything in first aid. And then the other main thing I focus on is I thought the two most um, rote memorization intensive subjects were pharmacology and uh, uh, microbiology. So I made a goal of really getting those down cold um, before even hitting the study period. So I could just focus on um, kind of uh, the organ sciences um, and kind of I already have those in my back pocket. Cool. And I remember you were a big group studier. So talk more about uh, what group study sessions looked like for you. So I didn't actually study as much in a group, but me and uh, one of my my good friends who ended up going to orthopedics as well, uh, we just basically made a schedule so that we were always studying the same, at least for farm and for micro, studying the same organisms and um, pharmacology sections. So every day we'd meet in the afternoon and review the subjects we'd studied that day. Uh, We also both ran a lot, so we'd do it on the run. We'd just quiz and pimp each other. So it was it was a great way to like ha- basically have someone reinforce and keep you to a schedule, make a schedule, keep you to the schedule, and then um, you know he picked up on things that I would miss, and I'd pick up things that he would miss. So we just kind of reinforce. I think obviously one of the best ways to learn is being able to teach. So I think that was very effective for us, um, and we both benefited a lot from it. Awesome. So I think that's great advice. I think people are looking for. Um, other ways to study besides just staring at the same lecture slides over and over again. I think that's a great option, um, especially for people that don't quite know how to get started in a group study process, at least one-on-one with one other person. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. I think I was fortunate to have someone who's kind of like-minded in what we were doing. Um, but I, I, yeah, like I said, I found it very effective and it's, it's great, especially if it's, you know, someone you live close by and, you know, have similar hobbies like running that you can kind of combine and study while you do other things. Great. So, uh, while we're still talking about the preclinical years, tell us now about the activities that you chose to get involved in, whether you were doing volunteer activities, work activities, research, anything you can say about that. 
In terms of uh, volunteer activities, I think my biggest contribution was uh, I volunteered at one of the free clinics in Worcester uh, in my first year, and then second year was one of the um, clinical coordinators for it. And then kind of throughout the year, you participate in kind of one-day drives or like small things, but that was probably my biggest longitudinal thing. Um, And then in terms of research, um, I did have orthopedics on my list of interests early on, and I I knew it was competitive, so I basically put in my mind to do research in orthopedics because I figured it would help if I applied, and if I applied to something else, it still was research. Um, So I started first year um, doing uh, research in orthopedics as well. So can you talk a little bit more about the research specifically? For example, how did you get involved with that specific research project or mentor? What specifically you did? Yeah. So um, I think about January, February I of my first year, I, I basically was ready to start. Um, I basically started by emailing one of the research coordinators uh, at uh, UMass who kind of had already helped out several other people interested in orthopedics. She actually had told me at that point that basically all the research projects were full and there wasn't anything available. So I then just kind of cold emailed um, several people in the orthopedic department and uh, one of them replied. And I started working with Dr. Marcy Jones on some, uh, she's a hand surgeon, and uh, basically a study that was looking at using iPhones to measure wrist range of motion instead of mechanical goniometers, which are currently used. Um, so a lot of our I basically had multiple projects off this vein, basically uh, establishing it as a valid metric and then kind of demonstrating its use um, that led to basically a lot of different posters, um, several presentations, and then a first author publication. I think that's a great uh, example of how you kind of can't take no sometimes when this is something you want to get involved in. So the research coordinator said they don't have anything available. You took it upon yourself to start individually emailing people. I think that's a good takeaway from this. Yeah, um, I think you have to be within reason, but I don't think anyone uh, will ever be annoyed at getting an email from a medical student or someone. If you're just sincere, it doesn't have to be long. It could just be a sincere like, hey – this is who I am, uh, and I'm interested in orthopedics and just wondering if you had anything I could help out with. Um, worst case, uh, you won't get a response, which definitely happened for mo- most of my emails, but one worked, and that's, that's all you need. Great. So, obviously, step one went very well for you because you're you know in this position now. Now we're turning to third-year clerkships. It's a totally new ball game now. So talk about how you handled the first couple clerkships you had, what was challenging for you, what went really well, anything you can say about the clerkship year. I started on internal medicine, which right after step one, um, you're basically... Uh, know the most uh, minutiae about medicine that you'll ever know. So I was kind of excited to start on that just because I, I felt like I knew a fair amount, um, not about clinical scenarios, but if there ever was a question about, you know, a disease process or something like that, I felt comfortable with that. So my approach was just uh, basically based on the advice of people before me. Um, I, uh, as a side note, I think it is really important to kind of find a mentor in classes above you. Um, I had multiple people I'd routinely talk to about uh, advice. So uh, in talking with people in the class above me, they basically said just show up, be present, don't be kind of be annoying and just help out. Um, Most of your clerkships are four or five weeks. Uh, 
you know, your first week, you're just getting to know how things are run. And then you kind of build on that. You basically want to really do well in your second and third um, and your fourth week. Um, so I, I felt like, especially in the first couple of days, I wasn't putting pressure on myself to like, you know, during rounds speak up or during, you know, didactics be raising my hand to answer questions, just kind of get the flow of things. No one's going to, you know, as long as you're, um, they kind of see where you're coming from as the clerkship goes on and see you develop, that's what they're looking for. So I thought it was important to just kind of get the tone of things early on and then uh, just kind of help out the team. Yeah, totally agree. I can't reemphasize that point enough. I think not enough people realize to go into a new clerkship, it's okay to be the quieter person just kind of taking it all in those first few days and then making yourself kind of, you know, making yourself shine kind of throughout the rotation. There's plenty of opportunity to do it and you don't have to hit people over the head with it. Right. Okay, great. And so at what point did you completely decide on orthopedics? I assume it was sometime during third year? Yeah, so I decided during uh, third year. As I mentioned before, I, I did have interest in orthopedics early on, but it was by no means my only interest. Um, I think you'll find during first and second year, a lot of people are interested in kind of more uh, selective fields, subspecialty fields. Um, as they go through, they start to kind of actually experience what happens during third year on the wards in all those different fields and kind of actually have a lot more knowledge to kind of back up their choice. Um, it was the same for me. I, I was interested in um, orthopedics. Both my parents were in primary care, so I was interested in internal medicine. And then, you know, I really found I enjoyed almost all of my third year clerkships and kind of could take away basically tidbits from each one that I, I really appreciated. I did find that when I rotated through orthopedics, I kind of just uh, felt at home with the residents in the resident room and, you know, and talking with the attendings. I loved the subject material. I loved, uh, I can talk more about why orthopedics later, but that's basically, I, I did decide during third year. I probably didn't decide actually until almost like December of my third year. Okay. And so I know you were thinking orthopedics versus internal medicine was basically the final two. Yeah. What was it about one versus yeah. the other? So that's actually a pretty odd combination for people going into orthopedics. Most people are debating between gen surge or EM or something. Um, internal medicine, again, I, I had a family history uh, in internal medicine. i grown up going to my dad's primary care office frequently. My dad's very interested in primary care and writes a blog and uh, is just very um, evidence-based. And uh, I personally would see, you know, when we'd go shopping in Boston, like routinely, um, almost every time patients would come up and, and talk to us because they knew him. Um, so I, I had a personal connection with internal medicine and I loved the subject material. Like I said, during Step one studying, I, I felt like this actually learning medicine was pretty enjoyable. The um, the reason I chose orthopedics in the end was I just felt more at home with uh, the people who did orthopedics. I loved, A, I loved surgery. I loved putting things back together. I loved the kind of mechanical aspect of that. I loved the outcomes. It was basically instantaneous fix, fixes in a lot of the case, cases. Um, you give patients back the ability to ambulate, which, um, you know, is a huge quality of life change. So that aspect of orthopedic surgery really stuck out to me. And yeah, I basically, I kind of found, I think most people find kind of their people um, when they rotate through, they find the people they get basically get along with uh, the best, uh, have similar hobbies, interests. Um, you know, you're spending basically, 
you know, the rest of your life in this field. So if they're the type of people you enjoy hanging out with um, outside of work, it, it definitely helps a lot. Right. Yeah, it's certainly so important to just find the people that you're most comfortable with because you're going to be spending years with these people. Okay, so moving towards the end of third year, now thinking about the start of fourth year scheduling, um, how did you go about doing that? In terms of studying, uh, scheduling sub uh I knew I kind of wanted to stay in the area. Uh, my family's all around um, in the northeast New England, as well as uh, my girlfriend. So in talking to people who had gone into orthopedics before me, uh, there was a couple different strains of advice. One was sub-I in three very different locations, you know, one on each coast and one in the Midwest, just to show you're willing to travel. Other uh, people would say, basically, if you know where you want to be, why hide, like why um, fight it and why hide it? Just do all in the same location. You'll probably get a ton of interviews in that area and have the strongest application in that area. You may not get interviews other places in the country, but you didn't want to go there in the first place, so... That's kind of the route I took. So I wanted to be in the Northeast in New England. Um, so I did uh, rotations in Boston, Providence, and uh, Philly. And that allowed me basically to kind of spread out along the coast. Um, I had a good range uh, of programs there in terms of feel from the program ranging from four to eight residents um, and then uh, different size cities. So I, I, I figured I basically had a, a, a reasonable mix uh, within that geography. So you did three away rotations plus your home rotation. Is that pretty much par for the course? Is that how many most orthopedics applicants are looking at? Yeah, at this point, so I think when I applied, it was basically like 25, 30% were doing one home and two ways. And both, basically everyone else is doing one home and three ways. Uh, in talking to applicants this year and then next year as well, uh, basically everyone that I've talked to is doing at least one home and three away, so four total. I met several um, people doing five and one doing six and one doing seven, which wow. uh, is definitely too much. But um, I, would, I would say four, including your home, is kind of uh, what's normal right now. I don't think you need necessarily need to do more um, unless you feel very strongly about rotating uh, at another program that you just couldn't fit on or something like that, but I really don't think it's necessary. Okay. Tell me about how the away rotations went. What was the vibe like? What was your role as the sub-I? Yeah, so um, I started with my home rotation, which I highly recommend um and most people do that anyways just because they know you uh you've probably met several of them and i've talked to several of the residents you may have been doing research in that department so their goal at least at umass and i but i do think most programs their goal is to kind of train you and optimize you for your away rotations because you're going to be walking into a you know a whole new residency group that don't know you and if you you know don't uh understand what's going on as well it, they won't have the same um, leniency and uh, acceptance of that you're kind of new to this. Um, I think, particularly in orthopedics, it's nothing you're taught as a medical student. Um, so it's very hard to be prepared for a lot of what you do. Um, that's actually very expected, and it's very hard to uh, mentally understand that because you're, you know, you want to do well, you want to know all the answers, but it's it's a completely different field than anything you've probably studied before. Um, so it, I think it can be very difficult. So in my first rotation, it really was about just 
kind of learning what I could. Uh, the residents made it very clear there was no, you know, dumb questions and just, you know, don't ask them in front of the attendings, but just talk to them after the case and or talk to them before the case and kind of do your own, obviously study, try and learn the anatomy, try and learn the approaches. Um, that's basically the basis of the questions you'll get asked about in the OR. It's basically always anatomy and approach and what are the dangers, things like that. So in my first rotation, it was just kind of getting the gist of what was going on um, and just kind of learning what orthopedics was about. Um, as I rotated away, I appreciated how different cultures are at different places, and it's not something I would have known to think about otherwise because um, I'd only been at UMass, but you, you really do find that each residency really has a different feel to it, and they can be very different feels. Um, so similar to choosing your subspecialty for me orthopedics based on the people that practice it you'll also find the residency you want to go to based on the feel of that residency um as i rotated away the advice that i always got was you're you're usually doing a four-week rotation similar to all clerkships you don't want to come out too hot you want to basically it's super cliche but particularly in orthopedics the most important thing is just to work hard not complain, just be present, but don't be overbearing. And it, it's basically an impossible and difficult uh, situation because a lot of the times you feel like you're just kind of there, you're not really helping out. But it's noticed, especially being on this side of things now, it's noticed when uh, medical students or sub-eyes show genuine interest and are, kind of, and are very helpful and are always kind of attentive and thinking of the next step. You know, when you're doing an aspiration, they're reaching for the you know, the next thing you need or, um, it, it goes a long way, even if it's not specifically said to you. And so my approach to the way rotations in particular was to kind of just be present and helpful in the first week and kind of, as it goes, let more and more of your personality show and, you know, your second and third week kind of keep growing. Uh, you'll usually be assigned the same team and work with the residents day after day. So, They'll get to know you. You'll get to know them. Um, you don't have to force it or rush anything. And then one other key is that oftentimes in the fourth week, uh, you'll almost get too comfortable um, and can kind of get sloppy sometimes. Um, you know, I, I've seen rotators or, you know, start swearing in the OR and it's just at that point, you kind of got to, you know, you've already demonstrated your knowledge and kind of who you are. So you just need to be cognizant in that fourth week to rein it in. Right. That's so well said, Jake. And obviously coming from someone who did really, really well on all his away rotations and got interviews at all these places and I'm assuming letters as well from most of these places. Yeah. So I got letters. I had um, letters is a whole different topic, but I'll just briefly say it now. You're probably going to need you're almost always going to need a chair letter. And then I, there's nothing wrong with getting a ton of letters from your home program. They're who know you the best. And the main thing is you basically want people writing your letters who know you well and have a longitudinal relationship, not they have a big name and you did one case with them because they're going to write a generic letter that is going to show um, that it's kind of generic and they don't actually know who you are. So I got a letter from my um, PI who I'd been working with for four years at that point. And then I got, a w I always, I made a point of getting an away low, uh, letter from each rotation, basically with a faculty who I'd worked with the most. And I think in terms of what you send to schools, they basically want to see letters from people who know you well. It's expected and kind of normal to have an away letter as well, showing that, look, you know, I went into this rotation, no one knew me, and this is what they said about me. 
showing that you can kind of work well outside of your home program as well. So just one other question about the away rotations. What's the normal breakdown in terms of how the rotation is structured? It's variable. Some rotations, uh, you're on the same service for four weeks. So, for instance, uh, I was on hand for four weeks for one of my rotations. Uh, other rotations, you split services. I was on, you know, pediatrics for two weeks and, and uh, recon joints for two weeks. And then other rotations, uh, which is less of them, but one of my rotations, I was just kind of a, every day it was something new. So are you mostly operating or do you do some clinic is it a mixture of both as a rotator yeah um i think there is most places give you a mixture i think they try and prioritize getting you in the or because that's when um you'll have more one-on-one time with the attending and the residents um and it gives you an opportunity to kind of prepare for that case and again in orthopedics basically that entails you should know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, know a little bit about the patient, you know, read their history and physical and know kind of what you're doing that day. Uh, you should know the, basically the steps of the surgery. Um, if you're doing, you know, a total joint, you may, you don't have to know every step, but you should at a minimum know basically the approach and the relevant anatomy as you go through that p- approach, you know, the inner nervous plane, um, s- critical structures to kind of be wary of. Those are kind of the bulk of the questions and that's what's expected you're definitely going to get some kind of oddball questions um, just to put you on the spot or just to, you know, teach you. And, you know, my take was as long as you're getting some of the questions right, uh, particularly, again, the anatomy, the approach, um, the why we're doing the surgery, I felt comfortable getting other questions wrong because I felt like I, you know, I demonstrated that I had studied and prepared for that surgery. I may not have known the specific detail about, you know, whatever the kind of obscure questions were, but uh, it's just an opportunity to learn um, as long as you're, you know, demonstrating that you have studied. I think that's what's important. And that also reflects kind of as you grow, you'll still get questions wrong as a resident. You know, orthopedics is a field that the residency is five years. Um, and uh, as an intern, I don't know much. So it's, you know, it's, you're, you're always learning. It's not, uh, at no, you know, at no point are you kind of knowing everything in the, in the case until obviously you graduate. Right, exactly. And another piece of advice I heard once is when you're preparing for a surgical case, one option is to actually look at that surgeon's operative note for that same case on for another patient, and that you can actually read out the steps that they take during the surgery. Just another thing to throw out there. Yes, yeah, certainly. There's there's uh, a ton of different ways you can prepare. That's a great one if you can find, um, you know, if you're doing an elective surgery that the surgeon does routinely. It's great to see the op note because you, you like uh, you just said you can literally see the exact steps for trauma cases. It may not be as easy, um, or you may have to look back to find uh, a similar trauma case. Otherwise, the uh, other books I used were uh, the Hoppenfield uh, Surgical Exposures in Orthopedics, and then um, just Netter's Anatomy and um, Orthobullets were kind of the core of what I studied for each surgery. Now, are any applicants taking a fifth year to dedicate towards research or something else to strengthen their ortho application? Yeah, I don't know what the percentage is, um, but there's definitely a fair subset that does that. I think 
orthopedics uh, has gotten more and more competitive, so uh, a lot of people take time off just to bolster their application with research. I don't think it's necessary if you've set yourself up, if you've done research, and even if you decided third year and just got involved in some projects and had something to talk about, because you're going to always get uh, research questions. You don't have to be the integral part of that project. You don't have to be a first author. You don't have to have come up with the idea. You just have to be able to know a lot about the project, know like why it's happening, what and what your role is, and just be genuinely interested and come off that way um, in what you're doing. You know, it's very normal to just have been doing author research since, you know, you decided you want to in third year. If you've done none, no research, I think it's reasonable to consider taking a year off. I don't think it's necessarily needed otherwise. But you feel like you should have some ortho-specific research on the application somewhere. Undoubtedly. In every single interview, you will always get asked about your research. And if you don't have an answer, I think that room would be difficult. And I think it's true basically for all fields. There's Most of my friends got involved in research in some level in the field they were going into. So I don't think it's out of the ordinary to do that. Um, so I, I, I definitely think it's it's pretty necessary to do orthopedic research if you're applying to orthopedics. Okay, I think that makes sense. So is there anything else you can say about the actual application process itself? In terms of the personal statement, uh, I was told there's kind of a 595 rule, which means um, 5% of personal statements are so good that it will may boost your acceptance rate, and 5% are so bad that it may lower your acceptance rate, but 90% uh, are a wash. Um, and you just kind of want to be in that 90%. You, the personal statement, unless you have a very strong story that relays a lot, um, a lot of personal statements, particularly for orthopedics, are uh, can be pretty similar. You know, you either had orthopedic injuries and, you know, uh, were, you know had an early orthopedic uh, doctor who made an influence in your life or, you know, if you like the mechanics of it or, uh, you know, you like working with your hands. There's a lot of different approaches to it, but a lot of them can be somewhat similar. So you just don't want to stand out in a bad way in your statement. Uh, but it's definitely okay to kind of have a generic statement. Uh, if that's why you actually want to go into orthopedics, a lot of us have similar reasons. So it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to force or go out of your way to try and be unique. Um, because you just don't want to have it come off as kind of odd. So that's what I'd say about the personal statement. And in general, how much would you say each section of the application matters to an ortho admissions committee? Yeah, so I think probably the, the highest, uh, most important one is your letters of recommendation because it's, those are people who uh, hopefully have known you for a while, especially your home letters, uh, and then for your ways have known you for a month. Um, and Orthopedics, as you'll see, is a very small and tight-knit community. Um, everyone, a lot of, you know, physicians basically know each other, you know, train together or go to conferences yearly together. Um, so when uh, a certain person writes a letter for you, other orthopedic surgeons at other programs may know that uh, physician personally. So um, I think letters are the most important thing, and they, they kind of show who you really are. Uh, that would be number one. Um Grades and scores are, are kind of your entrance way. I think you can be an outstanding applicant. Um, you, you, you kind of probably get tiered. Um, I think if you're an outstanding applicant, it can obviously boost things. And if you're not as great an applicant, it, it'll lower you. But a lot of people who you'll see on interview days have already kind of been stratified and have similar scores and grades to you. So that's not 
probably just as much a distinguishing factor in the rank list as much as the letters, your other interests, your research. So it becomes kind of a uh, tiered system where the, the more interviews you get or the, you know, the, the p- other people there have basically similar resumes in terms of academics to you. So at that point, it's more about who you are, uh, your fit with the program, uh, what your letters say about you, and, you know, if your research. Okay. So now let's move to the interviews themselves. Tell us about a typical orthopedics interview. Yeah, so um, typical orthopedics interview usually is, you know, a half day. It would involve a tour and then interview stations. Uh, the most I had was, you know, 14. The least I had was probably three interviews. Um, most average around uh, six or seven um, one-on-one interviews. Some can be with um, multiple fac- faculty. I had one interview where there was multiple applicants in the same room. Usually the interview rooms have a theme, like a research room, a hobbies room, a why orthopedics room. Um, usually there will be something they're trying to get out of you. There weren't too many, um, although there were a few knowledge rooms. That was only at maybe two of the places I interviewed at, uh, and there was two skills rooms, uh, which was a pretty small minority. Mostly they're just trying to get to know you. Orthopedics uh, in particular is something that uh, you're not specifically taught in med school. It's something you study and as you rotate, you you kind of learn and uh, obviously in residency you will learn, but it's not, they basically, your scores and academics demonstrate that you have the ability to, you know, synthesize and uh, comprehend and kind of internalize knowledge. So um, mostly it, was, it, it really was pretty straightforward. You know, tell me about yourself. Why do you want to do orthopedics? You know, you always get asked that. Tell me about your research. Um, they're really, I, I was, I got scared, you know, reading things online, but I really didn't have any bad experiences on interview days. Again, mostly they're trying to get to know you and they want you to get to know them. A lot of programs will say, you know, any of the people at their interview day, they'd be happy to take into their program. They're just trying to find the ones that would fit the best. So I'm interested that you had knowledge interviews and skills interviews, but I'm most interested about the group interviews because I've never had a group interview, so I'm not sure what that looks like. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I'd say at least 40 or 50% of uh, places I interviewed at would have two, rarely three, but usually two attendings uh, interviewing me at once. I really thought it just allowed for less... um, I actually enjoyed them more. It allowed less kind of downtime in between questions. One attending would ask you a question, and then uh, you know the other attending would chime in. Um, often it became much more of a conversational interview, just with more people in the room. So I those never really were intimidating. I actually thought they added. Uh, it also allowed you to meet twice the faculty that you would have normally met. The one interview I had where it was multiple applicants at the same time was kind of an outlier. It it was only on one of my interviews. Um, and they basically would ask scenarios and have our take on it one at a time. It really wasn't uh, it wasn't overwhelming, uh, but it was it was definitely uh, not common. Again, most interviews you're kind of alone talking about yourself, and there may be multiple people listening. Okay, so you get through interviews. Now it's time to form your rank list. How do you go about it? I think I was lucky. I rotated where I ended up matching, and I ranked them number one. I kind of knew from the start. Or not from the start, but once I rotated there, that that's where I wanted to be. And that was based on, again, I kind of felt lucky that everything lined up, but that was based on 
the residents in that look in where I matched, I really felt like they were the type of people I wanted to, you know, learn from and be with. I thought they were very good in the OR. They had good autonomy. They were very knowledgeable. They were good people. Um, I liked the attendings I worked with a lot. The location was great for me. It basically was kind of, they have a really good research uh, background. It was basically a confluence of everything lined up that made the program I matched at where I wanted to be. So it really wasn't a decision. The decision came as I went down my list where I started to compromise on various things like location or, you know, other things where you have to make decisions. But for me, it was, I, I always knew what, where I wanted to go as soon as I rotated. And even after I rotated, as I rotated other programs, I always compared it back and favorably would always kind of knew that I would want to uh, go to where I ended up. Um, as in terms of making the rest of your rank list, it's, it's obviously personal. I think it's difficult because of most of the interviews you have, you wouldn't have rotated. It's easier for the programs you rotate at. Um, you know them and they know you. And I think that's why, I don't know what the statistics are. I think I heard like 80% of the you know people match at, the, at a program they rotate at. I think that's why. I think you ended up get, getting ranked higher because they know you and they know the product they're getting. And you rank them higher as well because it kind of goes both ways. And you probably had some right. reason you chose that place. It probably was already in your mind as being a place you strongly considered in terms of the programs you didn't rotate at, that can be more difficult because it's difficult to get a feel for things. You can do your best, but it is it is tough. Um, it's kind of a personal decision, you know, based on your circumstances, based on, you know, if you're single, it can go anywhere or want to go anywhere or you want to stay in a certain area. Um, the rest of making your list is it's difficult to advise on. Right. Okay. So, um, Jake, I want to ask... What type of student do you think is the right fit for orthopedics? I think anyone can be the right fit for orthopedics. I know um, my advice along the way, and now looking back, uh, being in residency and seeing rotators, it's so cliche and it's something I was told all along, but it just it's true. You just need to be willing to show up and work hard and be part of a team, and that's why I was interested in orthopedics. I love those qualities in the residents, and I'd uh, like to think that I was a you know a hardworking team player as well, um, but again it's super cliche. But that's literally that is what a lot of programs are looking for. Just someone who is always willing to help out, doesn't complain when things are you know getting tough. The rest, in terms of you know you'll there's other things that can add to your uh, you know quality as a, a applicant, like your academics, your research, things like that. But first and foremost, I think you just. Uh, you just got to be present and helpful. You know, if, if uh, dressing changes need to be done and the resident's leaving the room to go do it, just, you know, get up and offer to help. It can be uh, something you may have to work out with your co-rotators. You don't want to be aggressively uh, kind of doing too much. Um, but if, you know, if you may have a call rotation or something like that. So just my advice would just, again, just be willing to show up and work hard and, uh, don't feel pressure to kind of make a huge first impression. You, they will get to know you. Um, I, I have seen rotators that are, you know, maybe too aggressive out of the gates and it, it doesn't, it, it can kind of turn off residents if you're, you're just too much um, right away. Um, they will get to know you. Uh, so you don't need to force anything. You just kind of need to be present and helpful. Right. Again, I think that's such important advice that everybody should be thinking about before starting a rotation. Any misconceptions 
you think are out there about orthopedics? I think a lot of people think of orthopedics and it does have a rep of kind of being a very non-medical uh, field, but you will find, especially as a you know, junior resident, as an intern and as a you know, consult resident, you have to know medicine. You ha- you know, you, during my first year on nights, I might be floor managing over you know, 100 patients by myself. So, and, and anyone, most people who are applying into orthopedics you know, did reasonably well on their boards and clerkships, so it's nothing you have to go crazy about, but there definitely is a misconception that um, orthopedics uh, physicians don't you know, practice or study medicine. Um, I think that's probably, for the most part, incorrect, especially in residency. You know, we're continually managing medically sick patients with orthopedic injuries, uh, particularly when you look at, uh, you know, your typical hip fracture patient is kind of a geriatric female who may have several underlying comorbidities that uh, you got to manage. So that would be one misconception. Right. I think that's an important point. And then tell us how intern year is going so far. Uh, are you happy with your choice in terms of program, in terms of orthopedic surgery as a specialty? Yeah, certainly. So I am very happy. Um, I think that is one of the advantages of matching where you rotate because um, I kind of knew what I was getting when I you know, ranked here number one wanted to go here. Um, one thing that I couldn't control that I was awesome was my co-residents. Um, I have a really good group of co-residents that... Uh, you know, one, no, two I rotated with, two I met on the interview trail, one I didn't know, but I basically knew everyone pretty well before I even got here, which I thought was awesome. Um, so I was, I was very happy when I found out who else was going to be co-residents with me. But no, I, yeah, I've been very happy. Um, I'm an intern and second year is kind of the, uh, the toughest year, um, but it's when you probably learn the most orthopedics just because intern year you're doing you know, half your year is usually off service rotations. Um, so I'll definitely have a tough year ahead, but, uh, I'm as prepared as I can be for it. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's great. And, uh, good luck with second year. I've heard it's, I've heard it's can be brutal. So Jake, I just want to thank you again so much for joining us on the show and giving us your perspective on the orthopedics match. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. Certainly happy to, uh, talk to you, Steve. And that about wraps up this specialty spotlight on orthopedic surgery. For those listeners interested in orthopedic surgery, or really any competitive specialty, I hope you took some notes, because Jake perfectly articulates some of the intangible qualities that a residency applicant should have. I especially love the way he talks about approaching each core clerkship and away rotation, and I really couldn't have said it better myself. Jake also gave us a few ideas there about how to study with just one other classmate, how to approach each section of the application, and finally, which factors to be taking into consideration when forming your rank list. Well, that's all I have for today. As always, you can reach out to me at steven at roadtorank.com. Certainly, if you have a question for Dr. Modest that you'd like me to pass along, I'm more than happy to do so. Or if you have any feedback about the podcast or topics you'd like me to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. And please don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I'd really appreciate it so that other people can discover the advice within this podcast. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 